got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 11. I was actually on the plane um, uh, Friday when I, when I sent out. I'd been working some this week on, on this message, and so I, I'd sent this Friday and had ironically chosen this, this view. I, it was, in case anybody was wondering, they were like, man, man, he picked a whole uh, cemetery and put a, you know, for the, for the sermon slide. Got a, got a graveyard, you know, and even now on it. So I was pretty determined. It didn't matter. Um, I laid up yesterday to try to make sure that I could get as much of this head stuff going. I was telling Bird this morning, we were talking about I, I, I nasal washed and all kind of stuff this morning. It didn't matter. I could have I been up here and it had to prop me up. And, and I just felt like this was, uh, this was God's word for us today. No, no matter where everybody was or whatever else, this is, this is God wants you to hear it. And, and then there'll be some other. So John chapter 11 is where we're going to be. This is not an unfamiliar passage. And so um, I want to pray over this first because we're going to talk so much through uh, a portion of this until we get down to where I want us to be. Um, but let me, let me just pray over the word for our hearts and for our minds to receive this and, um, and see what it is that God's wanting to do. I don't think this is going to be a today-only message um, it's not that there's three or four things to preach further after this. It's just I think this is, a, is, a, um, is an important turning point kind of thought for us in things that are, that are going on, and I'm even going to tie it to, to us here, to our church, to this building, to a lot of things. So uh, let's pray. God, thank you. For, and the church together said, amen. amen. I'll give you one more time. The church together said, amen. amen. That was a little better. I could have done a third time, but, you know, we'll just work you up. So John chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, this is the story about Lazarus. And so if we even look at verse 1, it says, you know, a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. Now, an interesting thing in this is in the gospel of John, this has not actually occurred yet. It's interesting because when, when the Bible is written, it's not written, uh, you know, obviously it was written after the fact. I mean, something has to happen before you can write about it. But when, when he writes chapter 11, this event of Mary anointing the Lord with fragrant oil and wiping his feet with her hair had not yet occurred in his recounting yet. He's after the fact stating something so that even though you haven't, read to that point in his gospel, he's assuming you've already heard. Because remember, you know, he's documenting this. And he's assuming there's a, there's a story that people already know about this woman having come to where Jesus was and breaking this, this nard of this fragrant oil and pouring it on him and then wiping his feet with her hair. So when he says this, if you, were, if you tell somebody, because a lot of people tell folks when they first come to Christ, they'll tell them, go read John. All right, and if they've never read the scripture and they're reading John for the first time, they get to eleven. They're gonna have to say, "I have no idea who this is that you're talking about about this Mary and her sister Martha." And Mary's this one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil. They may go, "Oh, that's that." I mean, that sounds like an interesting story, but I don't know what it is. They keep reading the rest of John. They'll come across it, and then they'll be like, "Oh, that's what he was talking about in chapter eleven." 
For those who have read the scripture and have heard the story before, then you do know about Mary being the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. In, in two of the, uh, the, uh, the other gospels that recount this, in Mark chapter 14 and then in John chapter, uh, or in Matthew chapter 26, so Mark 14 and Matthew 26, it actually describes this as that, that she poured the oil over his head. Okay, which is more consistent with an Old Testament type of, of anointing. Uh, and, and I think we mentioned this here recently. If you've seen, somebody's, somebody's put some memes out um, over the last three or four months on, on Facebook and stuff like that where they, they're showing a sheep where the shepherd is pouring oil over the sheep's head. And that is more accurate and consistent with the idea of anointing because it would be used to pour over the animal and and it would you know it would heal up things that were that were scrapes and cuts and bruises and all that kind of stuff, but it would also keep the the uh, the uh, you know flies and gnats and stuff like that away from it. This idea of anointing was never what we tend to do in churches today when we read New Testament and it says, you know, if any among you sick, let them call upon the elders of the church and, and, uh, and they'll anoint them with all in the prayer of faith, will save the sick, and if they've committed any sin, it'll be forgiven them, all that stuff. You know, because we take, put a little dab on, you know, and, and you anoint somebody or anoint their hand or anoint their, you know, on their forehead or something like that. And, but that's not what they did back then. You know, they was going to mess you up. They, was, they were going to mess your clothes up. You know, so they were going. They were going to take and pour out some oil on you. And so, both uh, both Mark fourteen and Matthew twenty six, we don't see it described specifically the way that John twelve does, where John twelve talks about anointing his feet and wiping his feet with her hair. Um, Mark fourteen and, Ma- and Matthew twenty six shows it as that he poured it out. You know, she poured it out on him, and so it would have run down, and then she wiped his feet with her with her hair. Now, it's important for us to keep that in mind that that has not occurred yet in the sequence of events. Your experience with God will affect your future worship with God. But I just want you to keep in mind as we go to reading what we're about to read that Mary has not yet done this thing of taking this expensive flask of perfume and breaking it and pouring it over and anointing him and wiping his feet in an act of worship with her hair. That's not occurred yet. But I really believe it occurs as a result of what's about to happen in chapter 11. Your experience with God, even when it is you questioning God, will lead to your future worship with God. So, that's who it's described that this story is going to be about. And in verse 3, because um, you know, in verse 2 it ends by saying that their brother Lazarus was sick. And so the sisters sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. So there was already a relationship that had gone on. Now, if you, uh, if you remember in Luke chapter 10... I'm not going to do one of these because I always hate it when my pastor friends do this because I'm not good with uh, remembering specific references. I remember stories. And so I'm not going to go, does anybody remember what's in Luke chapter 10? That's just unfair. That's like ambushing you in the middle of a service. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, what we see is this is when we really find Mary and Martha and, and their encounter with Jesus originally. All right, so you, you may remember because this is often used as an illustration. Um, Mary and Martha are 
there. Jesus is at the house. Jesus is teaching, and who was doing what? Now, this part y'all probably remember. Martha was doing what? Martha was cooking. She was cleaning the house. She was doing all that kind of stuff. Mary was doing what? Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and listening, and, and Martha gets upset, and so she says something to Jesus. She comes to Jesus and says, hey. Okay, maybe not exactly like that. But it kind of probably came across that way. She comes to Jesus and, and essentially says, I, look, I don't understand. How come I'm over here doing all this work and my sister is sitting here at your feet? Why don't you tell my sister, get up and come help me? I know none of y'all would be that way. You would not be task-oriented. You know, you would not be going, man, I'm over here doing this, and these people are, they're not helping me. They're over here just worshiping Jesus. They're over here just listening to Jesus. They're, they need to get up and help me serve, right? Jesus looks at, at Martha and says, hey, it's not that what you're doing is not good, but what your sister Mary has chosen is better. She's chosen the better thing. <laughs> that had to be, you know, kind of rough, right? In fact, <coughs> if you look at Luke chapter 10, you'd see in one translation, Jesus described Martha as, says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Now, I think that's interesting because the Bible tells us elsewhere, it says, be anxious for nothing. So for all the men, I want you to go ahead and feel like you can utilize this. If your wife says, hey, we got we to gotta get all this stuff cleaned up in like 15 minutes because somebody's coming over, go, hey, Jesus told Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> okay, all right, don't, don't do that. And if you do, I guess you're going to blame it on me. But he did. Jesus described Martha as she thought she was serving, but Jesus actually described her as being anxious and troubled and then he said that Mary had chosen the good portion. Had chosen the good portion. So that's their history. All right, Martha was the one who was in the house and not coming to Jesus. Mary is the one who's sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus has been there teaching. And you know Mary's just enthralled by the message that Jesus is bringing. Martha's over here going, i got to get the work done. i got to get the task done. And we're going to see that change. All right? In... John chapter 11, then, we see that as Lazarus was sick, and the sister sent the message and said, Lord, the one you love is sick, we get this interesting thing happen. When Jesus heard it in verse 4, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. <laughs> Now, in case you're conflicted because you already know a little bit of the story, he didn't say that Lazarus won't die. He just said this sickness won't end in death. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But he says it's going to be so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And now some translations say something to the effect of uh, 
So Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus, and it goes on to say that so he stayed two more days. This is a little more accurate translation. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, instead of if your translation says yet, or something like that, yet when he heard, that's, that's not a great translation. Because it seems to carry this connotation that, well, Jesus loved them, but yet he went ahead and stayed two days. There's not a conflict. There's not a, well, Jesus loved them, but he went ahead and stayed two days anyway, you know, as in some contrast. No, Jesus did love them. Jesus did stay two more days. They're not in, they're not in conflict with each other. Although it seems to us that we would look and go, I don't understand. And I'm just setting you up because we're going to tie some of these strings together. So you just keep hanging on to these strings. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That makes no literal sense to us. Man, I have sent word to Jesus who has been here at our house, who has been teaching who has been telling us who he is and, and what he wants to do. And, and so I, I, my brother here is sick and, and he's, he's near the point of death. And I, I send this message to Jesus. And, and if Jesus loves us and if Jesus loves Lazarus, why does he not go, hey guys, sorry that we're in the middle of whatever teaching moment that I'm in or, hey, I have got to leave. Right? Right? That's what we would think would happen. We would think that if I sent a message to Jesus and said, hey, my brother that you love, he is sick. Bad. We would think that, well, man, then Jesus is going to turn around, drop everything, and go there to the one that he loves, and he is going to take care of this problem. But the Bible says, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you. That was back in just, a, maybe in chapter 10. Man, they'd already tried to, to kill him. He's going, you're going to go right back into this general area where these folks have, have tried to take your life. You're going to go there again? Chapter nine, or verse 9, he says, aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered, if anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light's not in him. He said this, and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Now, what he was telling them was he was describing his ministry there in chapter around. He was like, look, there's this time where when I am here and supposed to be ministering before I'm supposed to die, so this is what Jesus understood, that there wasn't anything going to take him out before his appointed time. He knew that. And so he's saying, hey, if you walk while it's day, there's not a problem. But if you walk in the night, when it's past your time, when it's that, then something's going to happen. But he says, hey, I'm not worried about that. And he'd already told them, hey, this sickness is not going to end in death. Now, in their minds, they probably thought, oh, what he's saying is, is he's just kind of got, you know, a little head cold like me. Yeah, that's just all he's got going on. He's not fixing to die from this. And then Jesus looks at him and says, hey, um, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So I'm going to go wake him up. And the disciples said to him, because remember, they're still thinking, why is he going to go back to this place where that, that these folks tried to kill him? They tried to kill him. They tried to take his life. Why is he going to go back there again? And then Jesus tells them, hey, he's just falling asleep. And they're going, well, my goodness. 
If he's just falling asleep, Jesus, he'll wake up and he'll be fine. No need for you to go. You're putting yourself in danger. <coughs> Jesus, however, <coughs> was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I, I, I almost got to kind of be amused. <coughs> you know, Jesus, Jesus is looking at me and goes, Ah, guys, it's time to go. Our friend Lazarus, he's falling asleep. You know, he's already told him, hey, this is not going to end in death. It's for the glory of God. Let's hang out for another two days. They hang out for two days, and Jesus says, all right, time to go. Lazarus is falling asleep. I got to go wake him up. I mean, how Jesus knows he's falling asleep to begin with, you know, it's two days later. They're, they're off somewhere away from him. And they go, oh, come on now, Jesus. I mean, I mean, he'll be all right. And he has to look at him and go, he died. Right? I mean, he, like, he, just, he just cussed to the chase. Lazarus has died. Can you imagine their shock? They're like, whoa, I thought you just said he was asleep. So I was trying to, but, you know, I was trying to be, I was trying to speak in the spiritual with you guys. That's, that's really what Jesus was, because to Jesus, that's what it was, right? He's just falling asleep. I can wake him up. So now Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Listen to what Jesus, Jesus says. I'm glad I wasn't there. If you ever think about why did Jesus say that? I, I think because Jesus is saying if I'd have been there, he wouldn't have died. I mean, otherwise it could have been all right. We could all stood here and watched him die. But Jesus says, I'm glad that I wasn't there. So that you'll believe. Also, I guess it's pretty interesting because they know nobody has come and told them that Lazarus has died. And Jesus looks and says, look, he died. Jesus says, all right, so when we get there, it's going to be good for y'all to know that I wasn't there so that you can believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, now Thomas was the doubter, right? You got to give him a little bit of credit in this, in this moment. Because in this moment, he sounds like he's fully committed. Now, we know later he's going to doubt and he's going to be like all the other disciples except the Bible says the one whom Jesus loved that followed at a distance. Remember when they were going to take Jesus? But at this point, Thomas looks at his fellow disciples because they're still thinking about, hey, we're going to that area where they tried to kill him. Thomas says, well, let's go so that we can die with him. Guess what? Let's all go die. Jesus doesn't even, the Bible doesn't even record Jesus says anything to him. Right? Thomas just looks at all the other guys and says, well, let's pack it up. It's been a good run. Right? You know? We've had a, we've had a good go of it here for a while. We'll, we'll just go and we'll die with him. If he's going to go, let's die too. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. All right, so let's put some math together. He's been dead for four days. They stayed two more days where they were, right? So as they came and told him that he's sick, he stayed two more days. They get to where that, he, uh, that Lazarus is, and he's been in the tomb for four days. So either he died right after the time that these folks left to come tell Jesus, and so let's say, let's say it took them a day to get to where he was. All right, so 
pretty much they left, and right after they left, he, he died. These folks get to Jesus a day later and say, hey, Lazarus is sick, so there's one day. And Jesus says, hey, thanks for telling us. Hey, guys, we're going to hang out for another two days. Now we're at three, right? One day for them traveling, two days that, that he waits. And then he turns and tells them, let's go. And they spend a day going, which would be the same distance from where they were to where Lazarus was, because that's where the folks had come from. And we get four days. Now, here's an interesting thing. If you don't know this, because the Scripture doesn't mention this, this is just understanding a little bit of, uh, of paganism at the time. The pagan belief, and it even carried over a little bit in some of the Jewish belief, was that the spirit would hover around for three days. That was their belief, that the spirit would hover around the body for three days, and that pagan gods could bring that spirit back into that body within the three-day time period. But if it passed three days, they did not believe that, that even the pagan gods could bring that person back to life. So it's kind of interesting because if you figure that he was already in the he was already in the grave for four days, Jesus waits two days before they travel to see him. It wouldn't have even mattered if Jesus had left the day that they told him Lazarus would have already been dead before they got there, right? Because if you took the four days and took the two out that Jesus waited, Lazarus was already Lazarus would have already been dead at that point. Not would have died right before they got there. Could have died before they ever left. So, pagan belief was spirit hangs around three days. It could come back into the body. But at four days, man, we've never seen. We've never seen a pagan god supposedly bring anybody back to life after that third day. So when Jesus arrives, he found Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them about their brother. Now, this seems to indicate that they had, um, they had some amount of um, societal sway. They were well-known. They had professional mourners. I mean, they had folks that would show up that didn't necessarily really know you, but you paid them to come mourn your family. They would hang out and wail and cry and all this stuff as professional mourners. Even the poor folks were supposed to do this. It's what, it's what their, their teaching, their custom was. So for them to have folks and to, for them to be Jewish people who had come all the way from, from Jerusalem, which doesn't sound like it's a big deal, you know, walk two miles to go somewhere. But for a bunch of folks, when it says many, many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them about their brother, they had some kind of position. They had some standing in the community. But in verse 20, it says, As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Notice the reversal. The first time that Jesus was at their house that we see recorded in Scripture, Martha was the one who stayed in the house. Mary was the one who was coming to Jesus. Jesus looked at Martha and said, Hey, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen the better part. When their brother dies, Mary is sitting in the house. But Martha is coming to Jesus. So it's a reversal. There's a change. Now, verse 21, then Martha said to Jesus, and this is, this is where I really wanted us to get and talk. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, two statements of faith. There's two statements of faith that are about to happen here. Even if, it's, even if it's challenged, it's still two statements of faith. 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Statement number one. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, there's a little bit of rebuke in that, right? You know, there's a little, there's some, you're kind of brave if you're believing that he's the son of God and you're looking at him going, dude, if you had been here, my brother would still be alive. But there's also a statement of faith because (coughs) why would you say that? Unless you really believed it. I mean, it wouldn't make any difference. So there's a faith element there that's in contrast with her hesitation, her reproach that she makes. I think this is really interesting because Jesus doesn't just... Jesus doesn't just verbally smack her, right? It would be easy for us... If somebody said, man, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Go, dude, I got other stuff that's going on. I got other people. that I, There's other things. That's what we would do, right? Jesus is a little more gracious than that. But. So she makes her first statement, which is a combination of reproach and faith. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. <coughs> but then she makes the second statement of faith. That's what I want to talk about a lot today. And she says, yet... Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. She had a statement of faith that said, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died, but he did. But even now, you can do something about it. We'll read some more of this. Verse 23, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said, I know. She gave the Jewish explanation in this. She said, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? She adjusts her belief system on the fly. Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. She moves from saying, yeah, you know, the normal Judaic statement, yes, I know that when the resurrection occurs, he will rise again. He says, I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? And she says, I do. I believe you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God who comes into the world. Verse 28, having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as she heard this, this being Mary, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews, who were, the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. So they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to cry there. Got to remember, they got, they got a job to do. This is a little bit humorous to me in the middle of this. They know they have a job to do. We're the paid mourners. And our boss that's paying us to be mourners just jumped up and ran out. She must be going to the tomb. We got to go, right? You know, they had to go well. They had to mourn. Oh, we got to go with her. Martha was trying to let Mary have a private moment with Jesus, but Mary probably realizing the mistake, hey, I've sat here. I've sat here in the house instead of going to Jesus. There's a lot of people sitting in the house instead of going to Jesus. 
She says, I need to go. So she jumps up and goes to him. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, here we go again, my brother would not have died. But that's all she said. She only got the one statement of faith out. And I'm, and I'm concerned today and I'm challenging us today that in this moment we have to make sure in our lives that we are being like Martha and we are not being like Mary. When they first met Jesus, Mary is at Jesus' feet and Martha's in the house and she's doing the task and all that stuff and she's upset. How come Mary's not helping me? Jesus says, look, you're troubled and you're anxious about many things, but Mary's chosen a better part. Where? Being at my feet, being in my presence, believing in me, hearing my teaching. When their brother dies and now there's a need. Now it's not just, hey, we're, Jesus is visiting us. We're in this moment of him manifesting himself or we're in this moment of worship. Now we're in a moment of need. My brother has died. Now Mary, who had earlier chosen the better part and was sitting at the feet of Jesus when he was teaching, doesn't go to the feet of Jesus when there's a problem. It's easy to be at the feet of Jesus when things are going good and you got stuff in the house to fix for him and, and, and things are okay and I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to worship at his feet and all this and I'm going to wonder how come this person over here is task-oriented and how come they're doing all this stuff and, and Jesus is wondering that too because he's going, you know, you really need to be sitting over here at my feet. But when the problem comes, where are you going to be? You're going to sit in the house? We're going to sit in the house and go, well, well God could have stopped this. God, if you would have, God, you could have prevented this from happening. See, Martha, Martha was struggling. She was struggling to believe what she was saying, but she still spoke the truth. <coughs> Martha's struggling with this idea. Jesus, if you'd have just been here, he wouldn't have died. But even now, God would give you whatever you asked. She knew what the right thing was to say. She knew what the right, the right belief was. She was just struggling with believing it. And so Jesus has to challenge that and go, he's going to rise. And she goes, well, I know he will when the resurrection comes. He says, I am the resurrection. The resurrection has come. It's really what he was saying to her. He says, and, and so do you believe this? And she's like, I do believe in who you are. I believe that you are the Son of God. Mary, who had been all up in some worship when things were good, sitting in the house, and Martha has to come tell her, hey, hey. I mean, you heard him come tell me that Jesus was coming. And now he's asking for you. You didn't go looking for him. I learned I messed that up last time, Mary. I stayed in the house while you were at his feet, and he told me you chose the better part. Now our brothers died. I went to him. What you doing here in the house? He's calling for you. She goes, oh, I, oh you're right, you're right. So she responds. But when she gets there, it's just, God, you could have stopped this. And that's all she had to say. If you'd have been here. Hey, this wouldn't have happened. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, 
he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Now, I want you to stop for a minute. You say, wait a minute. Jesus got angry. What well, says he got angry in his spirit? Let's take this in context. What is, he, what is he talking about? Was Jesus angry? Yes, he was angry. Well, you know, no sense in acting like that's not what's there. What was Mary doing, though? When Jesus is standing there and Mary comes up and Mary makes half the statement that Martha does, Mary says, you could have stopped it and you didn't. And then she starts just mourning. And then there's all these other people with her that are mourning according to tradition. What Jesus saw was something that was in contradiction in this moment to what the Scripture tells us, that we are not to mourn as those in the world, as those who don't have hope. We don't mourn as they do. And what he saw was she had abandoned... He's not talking, this isn't even so much of a focus about death or people passing or anything like that, as much as it is that she was not operating in that moment in who she was. She was operating in who she had been before him. Before she came to know Jesus and believe that he was the Son of God, to believe that he was the Messiah, you would have mourned and you would have created, created or treated your circumstance just like anybody else would have. God, he's dead. It's over. My dream is dead. That thing that I thought I was promised. It's, it's dead. God, my job got gone. God, this happened. God, this occurred. It's all dead. It's all done. It's past the point of no return. Nothing can happen with this. That's exactly where Mary was. If you'd have been here, God, you could have stopped this from happening. You could have kept them from firing me. I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't my fault. But if you get fired because of fault, that's, that's you, man. I mean, you can't ask God to, you know... Like you, you did crazy stuff and broke the rules and laid out of work or whatever. I mean, I can't ask God to, God, please let him not get fired. I mean, I can, I can pray, God, you know, maybe let him have some mercy on him or something like that. But, but that wasn't it. I mean, if you're, you're sitting there and you go, man, God, you could have kept them from, God, you could have you prevented this. God, you could have prevented that. God, you could have stopped this. And, and if we're like Mary... And that's where we stop, and we, we get that out, and we go, God, you could have stopped this. I believe you could have, but you didn't. And it's dead, and it's over, and it's gone, and so now I'm mourning. Because nothing else can happen with this. God, my life is screwed up. My, my relationships are screwed up. God, my job is screwed up. All this stuff, it's all messed up. You could have stopped it, God, but you didn't. And now I'm mourning the loss of all of this. That's where Mary was. And that angered Jesus in his spirit. It wasn't that he was really angry at, at Mary. It wasn't. It was just that spiritual attitude was, was frustrating for his spirit because he's going, man, how much do I have to, to say and do and communicate for them to move past? Well, yes, I could have stopped something, but did my power stop because this occurred? And Jesus says to him in verse 34, he says, where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And 35 is the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. 
Nobody really knows. There's a lot of discussion about what well, did Jesus weep because that he was sad that Lazarus has died? Possibly. I mean, Jesus loved him. Was Jesus weeping because uh, Martha didn't exhibit full faith? Mary exhibited even less faith and all the people that were around them were struggling and, and he just had to try to explain to his disciples what God was doing and they weren't following that real well either. And, I mean, he kind of had to be thinking in the moment, man, I'm surrounded by disciples that aren't in touch spiritually. I've got Mary and Martha that aren't in touch spiritually. I've got all these mourners here that are professional, they're professional worshipers and I don't really need them anyway. Oh, we could talk about some of that. God don't want your professional worship. I mean... People just going through the motions, right? They weren't part of the family. They just coming to worship. Well, anyway, just worshiping because you love him. But, but he's surrounded by all of that, and, and Jesus just weeps. Now, I know he wasn't weeping because of the fact that, man, Lazarus is gone. Because he'd already told, hey, this isn't going to end in death. He didn't say death wasn't going to happen at any point. He said it's not going to end in death. Here, he told him, he's asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. So I don't think Jesus was weeping because, oh, my friend Lazarus is gone. He might have been weeping because Lazarus had to go through the pain of that. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, wow, here we go again. Couldn't he who opened a blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? This is amazing to me. So I, if I'm one of these professional Jewish mourners, I'm sitting there and I go, hey, Stephen, this guy could make blind people see. I mean, couldn't he have kept this guy from dying? What would have been really cool if you'd have said, well, Nathan, if he could have kept him from dying, you think he could bring him back to life? I mean, hey, he can keep somebody from dying. He can, he can heal whatever's about to kill the guy, but if he dies, it's, too late. it's over at that point. We're done. You could keep him from dying, but if he dies, you don't have any power over, over death. Then Jesus, angry in himself again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you? Now he's going, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Heard me? Past tense. I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. Present and future tense. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this so they may believe you sent me. He's pastoral praying. He's not personal praying. He's praying to God so that everybody hears what he's saying. God, I'm glad that you've heard me. I'm glad that you always do hear me. I'm only having to pray this so that these people standing here can hear this and know that we're talking. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out bound hand and foot. Can you imagine? These people are probably getting a little freaked out about now. We done rolled the stone away. This guy, Jesus, walks up and tells them, says, hey, come out. And, and dude had to come like hopping out, right? 
I mean, as funny as it sounds, he had to. He's bound hand and foot him, and they kind of had him kind of wrapped up. Comes hopping out. He's all bound up. He can't get out because then Jesus has his turn. He, Jesus said to him, said, loose him and let him go. He was bound hand and foot with linen strips with his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. The very next verse says, Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. Some of those professional mourners became true worshipers because of what Jesus did. Now, so, to wrap back to where it is that, that I wanted us to, to really have our heads focused on in this today was this even now moment. When Martha comes to Jesus and, and so... I'm asking you today, what is there? What is there in your personal life? What is there in your children's life? What is there in the life of your friends or your family that you may have, and and, and this is just for you to within your own heart be thinking about, you may have at some point been sitting there and thinking about and, and you may have even said to God at some point, God, you could have prevented this. Right? God, you could have stopped this. God, you could have kept me from getting cancer. God, you could have kept me from losing my job. God, you could have kept me from getting sick. God, you could have kept me from getting hurt. You could have kept me from being depressed. You could have kept me from getting frustrated about this. God, you, you could have kept me from making this bad decision. You, you could have stopped this stuff. And that's where you've ended your conversation with God. That's where you're stuck. You're stuck in the God you could have. You're stuck in the Mary. And you're, you're mourning over what's happened in your life because you're stuck at the God you could have stopped it. You didn't. And so now I'm just mourning. Now I'm just crying. Now I'm just broken down because when I stop there, I'm saying, but you can't do anything about it now. It's happened. Well, you're right. For Lazarus, he did die. They did put him in a tomb. He's been in there four days. God didn't, you know, just do like one of these movies and whoop, 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 rewind it backwards and go, all right, we're going to make it where he doesn't really die. No, he died. No, you got sick. No, you, you lost your job. No, you, you had a fractured relationship with somebody in your family. Maybe it still is. No, you had this happen. No, you had that. No, these things occurred. When Martha walks up to Jesus and expresses the first statement of faith, the same one that Mary did, all, again, there was a rebuke in that as well, but, but when she says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Great. There's a little bit of faith there, and if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. But boy, there's a powerful statement of faith when she says, but even now, even now, 
See, here's what, because we look at some things and we go, that thing is dead. That thing is over. That thing has occurred. And you're right. It's happened in your life. It's occurred. It's already taken place. But even now, God can still do something. Yes, He could have prevented it if He had chosen to. But you don't yet know because Mary and Martha didn't know because they weren't with Jesus when He got notified Lazarus is sick and Jesus said the end of this thing is not going to be death. The end of this matter is not going to be that Lazarus is dead. This is going to be for the glory of God. He didn't say Lazarus is not going to die. He just said the end of it is not going to be death. We look at our situation and sometimes we just don't know what God's plan is for it. And we don't know that God is allowing for that, yes, there may be spiritually or figuratively, it may be that something dies in the process. But God may have already spoken over that thing in your life and said the end of this will not be death. The end of this will not be cancer. The end of this will not be separation. The end of this will not be hatred. The end of this will not be hurt. It will not be pain. It will not be, that may be the middle. But it will not be the end. And so Jesus shows up and Martha says, I understand that you could have prevented it from happening, but it did happen. But even now, you can do something. And so my question to you is, whatever that thing is, or maybe it's things, maybe it's plural in your life that you or looking at that you have experienced, and if you're honest with yourself, because you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to be honest to me. But if you're gonna be honest with yourself, that you would admit, I have looked at God and said, God, you could have prevented this. God, you could have stopped this, and that's where your conversation with God about it has stopped. And you've been in mourning over it, and you've tried to get other people to mourn with you, just like Mary was. So what is it? What is it in your life that you've looked at and told God you could have stopped that, but you didn't? You didn't, God. Whether you admit it or not, there's a little bit of that bitterness and reproach when you talk to God about it. Because it's always in your head, God could have stopped that. God could have kept that from happening. God could have prevented that. Where were you, God? I mean, really, that's what, that's what Mary and Martha both were saying. We sent to you. We asked you. We told you. He's sick. And you didn't come. Think about how multifaceted this is. Once you know and you have in context that the prevailing pagan belief was that you go three days... It could still come back in. They'd know after it passed the three days, this really has to be God because we've never seen anything like this. He tells, he, he said, oh, I'm glad that the disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there. That way you'll believe because I'm telling you that he's died. Y'all didn't, y'all know nobody told me that he died. We're going to show up and he's dead. God's going to get glory out of this. He's just asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. See, sometimes your situation is not just about you. 
You're very real experiencing it. It's very powerful in your life. But sometimes it's not only about you. God is going to use what it is that's happening in your life. Remember, remember when, when they, they, they came to Jesus and they said, hey, we got this guy and he's been blind from, from birth. Who, who sinned? Did, did, was, it something that, was it something that he had done or was it something his parents did or whatever else? Jesus said, neither one. This is for the glory of God. We go, whoa, wait just a blessed minute. How could God be using something that's happened like this to turn around and say he's going to get glory out of it? Because it will not end in death. That guy's situation didn't end in blindness. God was going to do something because he was, God wants to use even the things that are happening in your life that you're looking at going, <coughs> man, something died, it's dead, it's, it's bad. And you may be like Mary and Martha going, <coughs> God, I don't even want to bring that up again. That whole situation stinks. Don't even uncover that again. I've bottled it up. I've put it away. You hadn't really because you're still telling God you could have stopped it. <coughs> and Jesus is saying, no, we're going to pop the cork on that one. <coughs> we're going to open that back up. We're going to let it air out. And then I'm going to call life forth out of that which you believed was dead because I could have stopped it, but even now I can do something. Even now. So this week, you're in the car going home. I just challenge you to look at that thing again and say, God, you're, that's right. You could have stopped that. I don't know why you chose not to. But even now, you can do something with it. This week, if something comes up, this week, if something in somebody in your family's life comes up or somebody you work with, it comes up and they go, man, this is terrible. This has happened and I don't know what to do. Go, hey, even now, God can do something with that. But even now, God can call forth life out of something that you think the enemy has already destroyed and he'll change it from you being in an attitude of saying, well, God could have kept to being able to say, I almost gave up. But even now, 